Gather round and listen to tales of great adventure and brave heroes. Tales of daring individuals fighting monsters and claiming treasure. Tales of bards trying to get into the pants of savage beasts to avoid losing a fight. Tales of people drinking beer, eating pizza, and rolling dice. Tales of people losing their minds over the things that happen to people who only exist in their mind. This is Roland Bones, and I am Ryan Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roland Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in interviews for D&D and tabletop RPGs. I am your host, Ryan Howard, available on Twitter and Instagram at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg. Before we get started today, just a reminder that we are available on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. So uh, with that out of the way, today we are doing something a little bit different. We have kind of unusual circumstances. I did not book a guest for this week. Uh, I did that intentionally uh, because today we are going to take a look at a product that I've been pimping since pretty much the beginning of the show, and that is Broadsword Magazine. So the first issue is out I have not received my physical copy, but I have a digital copy. And so we are going to be looking at that, uh, that lovely piece provided by DM Dave. And I am going to tell you guys what I think of the contents. Before we get into that, as always, I want to give a shout out to my friend Namira and her Twitch channel where she streams horror games. It's a lot of fun. Uh, She usually streams on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, usually right around 7 central. And then she streams on, on Saturday mornings. It's a lot of fun. Chat is great. There's a puppy. He's adorable. I just wish that he liked me in real life. Uh, but other than that, it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, definitely stop by. Every now and then I'm in the chat. I admit I've not been there very often. I've been uh, running myself a little bit ragged the past couple weeks. But it is tons of fun. And of course, because we are discussing it today, I want to remind everyone that I have an affiliate link for Broadsword Magazine. You can find it in the description of the episode. Basically, Dave just kicks me a couple dollars of the sale of Broadsword. Uh, that you do through my affiliate link. Once again, that can be found in the description. And uh, that is going to be it for plugs today. And uh, real quick, I want to do something a little bit different for today's rant from behind the screen. So instead of doing the typical rant, I am just going to give you guys some updates on the the state of the show and uh, what you can expect from the future. So as of right now, the audience has kind of plateaued a little bit. I'm usually getting right around 30, 35, 40 listeners per episode, which is great. I'm glad that so many of you are willing to listen to the show. What I will ask you to do, though, is uh, give ratings and reviews on iTunes, shout it out on social media that you're listening to the show, shout at me about what you think of the show on social media, and we can have a conversation about that. Tell your friends who play RPGs that you're listening to to Rolling Bones. Tell them about the interviews that I get, the people that I talk to, and if you guys have anyone that you would like to be interviewed on the show, uh, please let me know, first of all, and uh, 
you know, reach out to that person. Tell them, hey, there's the show Rolling Bones that I really like, uh, that I, I want you to be on. Uh, but yeah, just, just kind of start that conversation for me. Because I, I have a good idea of the kind of people that I want to interview, but I also want to hear what you guys want and the kind of guests that you guys are most interested in so I can, you know, kind of kind of provide you guys with, with some of that. You know, I, I love talking to people like, you know, Larry Elmore and, and Shane Hensley, the, the, the kind of people who've kind of shaped this hobby for us. And I want to talk to, to even more people like that. I mean, ultimately, my, my, my big goal is to get some of these, some of these kind of big, like, A-list influencers in, in the D&D realm on this podcast. Of course, I want to talk to Joe Manganello and Matt Mercer and Matt Colville. And, you know, I want to talk to some of the, the bigger YouTube personalities like uh, Cody from Taking 20, the guys from WebDM. You know, all those guys. I'd love to have them on the show. As of right now, that has not happened yet. I've reached out to them. I've, I've reached out to everyone but, like, Joe Manganello because that's super hard to do, it turns out. But I have not received any response from them. If you guys are fans of theirs and fans of this show and you would love to see them on the show, uh, just, just hit them up. Tell them, hey, Rolling Bones with Ryan Howard is a great show. It's a great time. It's an hour interview just talking about this, this hobby that we all know and love. Uh, just let them know and let me know and... We'll get something set up. But I've got some great guests already booked for October. I'm very excited about the month of October. It's going to be a lot of fun. Moving forward uh, with the podcast and, and some of the formats that the podcast is available in, I did a poll on Twitter not long ago that that like three people voted in. But those three people made it very clear that they would like to see some kind of video element added to the podcast. And that is an option that I am perfectly willing to explore. It's a little bit difficult. I, I'd have to find a way to record my intro and then splice it together with whatever I record from from Skype interviews. I'd have to make myself presentable for for when I record these things, which I am I very much not right now. I'm I'm sitting here with my hair all messed up, drinking a, a glass of bourbon in a in a Nashville Preds T-shirt, looking like trash. Because that's what you can do when you have your your studio and your living room and you worked all day. But I am interested in, in looking into uh, creating some kind of video side and then and putting it on YouTube. My background is actually in YouTube. I, I had a very not successful YouTube channel a while back, so I'm comfortable being on camera. That's something I'm willing to add for you guys if if you're interested in it. But once again, just just hit me up on Twitter and uh, you know in the comments of my Instagram, you know, just just let me know um, if you really do want to see a video component to this, or you know, if you've caught the odd episode on a podcatcher, but you'd rather watch a video, just let me know, and I will do what I can to to look into setting that up. Now, uh, one one last uh, one last housekeeping thing to address before we get into the bulk of today's interview. With it being the end of September as I'm recording this, the holidays are coming up soon. Uh, I have plans, I have family that's out of town, so there will be a week in November, the week of Thanksgiving, where there will not be a show, and then the two weeks of Christmas and New Year's, there's also not going to be a show. That's just, it's the holidays, I won't be here to record, it's it's just not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work out for me to be able to put episodes up on those days, I'm sorry. 
but there will not be an episode the week of Thanksgiving. There will not be an episode the week of Christmas or the week of New Year's. Once those are done, the, the weeks before, we'll do an episode. You know, the weeks after, back on the schedule, back doing episodes. Will there be some kind of, like, Christmas episode? Absolutely. Will there be a Halloween episode? There will be two. One at the beginning of October and one that will release on Halloween that I'm very excited about. I'm, I'm a dork about holidays. I love holidays. I love to celebrate them. You know, on my old podcast, Digital Men, uh, I, I would always push for Christmas episodes, and sometimes, sometimes my co-host would indulge me, but I really do love themed content. And if you guys want to see more themed content, like, you know, Christmas-type episodes and stuff like that, or episodes where I create monsters or stuff like that, again, just, just hit me up on social media. Kind of what, what the basis of this rant is, is interact with me. Let me know what you want, and I will do my best to give it to you. Or I will have a discussion with you as to why I can't do what you're asking me to do. I cannot record live on location at Wizards of the Coast headquarters because they don't know who I am. But would I love to do that someday? Sure, why not? Sounds like fun. But if there's something within reason or, you know, you happen to, I don't know, be Joe Manganello or one of Joe Manganello's people, and you listen to this podcast, and you want him on the show, you've got the in with him. You broker that deal for me, and we'll be a-okay. All right. And Joe, if you listen to the show and you haven't told anyone, why? Why have you not told anyone about about listening to, to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard? I don't know if you guys can tell, but I've got kind of a man crush on Joe Manganello. I just cemented the fact that he's not going to come on this show. My wife actually makes fun of me for how much I admire Joe Manganello. All right. So with that out of the way, that will conclude today's rant from behind the screen. Now, let us get into the bulk of today's episode, and that is a review of Broadsword Magazine number one. Before we get things started, you guys already heard me promote it at the top of the episode. Just one more round of disclosure. I have had DM Dave on the show. I have an affiliate link for Broadsword Magazine. In theory, I make money off of this. In theory. I don't know if anyone's actually bought a magazine using my affiliate link have not checked, but let's just say there there is some kind of personal stake that I have in this magazine. You know, Dave has been very kind to me. Uh, he's helped me get in touch with some people, came on the show. I, I love Dave. So yeah, that's, that's one disclosure that yes, I, I am, if not friends with Dave, acquaintances with Dave. Dave has helped me out a little bit. Dave's been on the show and I have an affiliate link for this magazine. The second disclaimer that I want to throw out there, all of this at the end of the day is purely my opinion. It is purely subjective. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of subjectivity in this interview, not interview, in this review. That's just the way it is. There's, there's a lot of things that you may like like that maybe I don't necessarily like and a lot of things that I like that maybe you don't necessarily like. So without further ado, uh, let's kind of dig into this thing. I really did want to have my physical copy of this to do this review. Dave just got them. He just sent them out. I'll be getting mine in five days. I just got the notification today. So once that comes out, I'll, I'll do an addendum to let you guys know kind of what it looks like in the flesh, in person. But my impressions of this thing from just from the PDF that I sent, it, it, it is a very well put together magazine. I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy with the final product that we have here. Uh, everything looks really cool. The layout's great. 
Uh, there were a couple times where I kind of got lost with the layout, but that's just, that's on me, and that's that's from me reading from a PDF. I don't like reading from PDFs, uh, but I will do it if I have to, except I didn't do it in college. But I, I read from the PDF. Um, it's not my preferred way of doing things, but yeah, there were a couple times where that kind of tripped me up. But again, it's available in physical form. So if you don't like reading from PDFs, there, there's a physical option. So just overall first impressions, um, I'll start with a positive. The art is really, really cool. I, I really enjoyed the art. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's got kind. It, it's got an old school vibe to it. It's very much. It's very much like old school Dragon Magazine, which I know that's that's what Dave was going for. It's it's very like first and second edition, and I dig it. It's cool. It's it's old school. I love it. When it comes to art, I'm a comic book fan. When it comes to art, I'm typically more of a like. Oh, I like really cool photorealistic stuff. You know, I I like Larry Elmore art. But that being said, this art is also really cool. I I like kind of the the DIY aesthetic that we have here. It's also it's very detailed. The whole thing's black and white. It's it, it's really cool. I I I really love what they do here. Props to JD Russell, the primary artist on this. He's also the cartographer, and that's another that's another praise that I have to give to him. Uh the maps are all really cool. They are they're not incredibly detailed or anything like that, but they give a good layout. They're easy to read, easy to understand. They tell you where everything is. All in all, excellent map design. So JD Russell, you did great. Uh, Dave, you also did great. But I do have to get into one kind of overarching criticism of the book. So Dave really should hire an outside editor. I noticed in the credits of the magazine that he is the editor as well as the writer and the publisher. And Dave, I, I really do think you need to look into getting just another set of eyes on the book. Because there were a handful of times, not not a ton, but there were a few times where word choice was a little bit off. There were just, just a couple typos, a couple mistakes where you spell the character's name one way and then spell it differently another time. And, you know, it's just, it's small, simple mistakes. I really just think there, there needs to be another set of eyes on this just to catch stuff like that. And, you know, that's something maybe, maybe Dave has that in place for issue number two. I don't know. Uh, Dave, if you are looking for someone to fill that position, uh, I do know some people who could do that for you. So, uh, so hit me up. But yeah, that's, that's a minor criticism. A, a very, very minor criticism that I have just for the overall quality of the book. So the uh, the magazine is divided up into four different parts, and uh, the first part. Uh, so there's an introduction written by Dave's brother, which I thought was cool. Uh, it's you know it's nice to hear stuff like that. I I didn't either. Dave didn't mention it on the show, or I forgot that his brother was kind of involved in his in his origin story, as it were. So it, it's cool to kind of hear that side. To, hear how, you know, how much of a geek Dave was from, from someone else. And I mean that with love, Dave. But then uh, the rest of the book is divided up into four parts. Uh, part one is an adventure that's going to be expanded on with subsequent issues of the magazine. 
Part two is another adventure with a new set of rules, that being mass combat for fifth edition. Uh, part three is a, uh, it's an adventure for characters of any level. And it's a really interesting thing that, that we'll get into when we get to that part. And then part four is a zero level adventure with a completely different fifth edition campaign setting. And then at the very end, there's information on how to submit articles for Broadsword and the guidelines that Dave has, and then all the open gaming license stuff. So the first real meat of the book comes with a, uh, a section called Behind the Screen, in which Dave offers uh, GM advice. And so this advice that he has, this is actually something that he's put up on his blog before. I don't remember if it was a preview for this issue or if he just did this before at one point, but this is an article on how to get your players to engage. And Dave's advice, I I'm not going to spoil any of the stuff that's in here uh, for those of you who are wanting to buy the magazine. Dave gives some good advice. And if you, if you aren't interested in buying the magazine, you can find it at dmdave.com. But it is really good sound advice. I've read this article before. That's not a criticism, though. I know, like, Dave had to put content in this magazine. He put up some preview stuff on his website, so I've seen some of this stuff before. But it's, it's a really good article about just how to keep your players engaged in the game. I recommend all of you read it, either in the magazine or on his website. One thing I will say, I like the idea of Dave doing a column like this, where he gives advice to GMs, but honestly, what I really want to see is him kind of, instead of him trying to come up with topics to address, as you might have noticed with my rants, sometimes it's a little bit difficult for me to come up with topics. I try to do it myself, I try to come up with topics from just my role-playing experience week to week. Sometimes just nothing comes up, but I would like to see this kind of turn into like a letters page. I, I really want a section in this magazine where people can write emails to Dave and he can answer their questions. I don't know if that's something that, that Dave already has planned or if that's something, you know, he if he really wants to keep this just he writes an advice or column or something like that. Uh, but I really would like to see this kind of turn into a letters page where he can publish letters from GMs who read the magazine and, uh, you know, respond to them and, and kind of address some of these issues that all of us have. I, I really think that would be a valuable uh, use of this space. But if Dave wants to keep doing this, um, that's also valuable because Dave, he will not admit it, but Dave is a good dungeon master. I've not played under him, but he insists that he's a shitty DM. I don't think that's the case. I, I've used a lot of his stuff. I don't think he's actually a shitty DM. Don't fall for that nonsense. Dave is a good DM. And so moving on from there, we get into uh, part one of the magazine, which is called Sword and Sorcery. And this introduces not necessarily a campaign setting, but more of a campaign philosophy for uh, those of you who want to run D&D a little bit differently. That philosophy is sword and sorcery. So for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, sword and sorcery is basically the early precursor to modern Tolkien fantasy. So basically this is like Robert E. Howard Conan type stuff. This is a super brutal, super low magic settings where it's mostly humans, uh, maybe some dwarves, elves, and halflings, but it's mostly just those four races, some other humanoids like goblins and orcs, and then uh, not much in the way of like monsters or stuff like that the gods are distant and 
you know, kind of like Lovecraftian almost. Uh, Spellcasters are like feared above everything else. And it's just a, it's a gritty, nasty kind of world. It, it's almost like Dark Sun, but sword and sorcery doesn't necessarily have to have some of the scarcity that Dark Sun has. And if you're like me and you've kind of been hoping for something a little bit more brutal out of D&D, maybe you want to, you know, you want to play kind of a darker game. I've been made fun of by my players on Saturday for, for wanting a dark game, and they're a bunch of goofs. You guys have heard me rant about that. They're always like, hey, Ryan, what happened to your darker game? And I'm just like, all right, you rascals. I've given them more of the, the fun stuff that they want. Someday I will talk about the pirate adventures that they've been on recently. But there are a lot of people out there who want something a little bit darker and grittier from their D&D, and that's uh, that's what this setting kind of does. It's low magic, low fantasy, and not, not as many spellcasters running around. For those of you who aren't big on bards, uh, I know a lot of DMs get really frustrated with the horny bard. I am one of them. Uh, bards basically don't exist in the setting. Uh, they're basically, they're, they're rogues with loots. So that kind of cuts down on some of the nonsense a little bit. Uh, there's no paladins, no clerics, stuff like that. Uh, wizards and sorcerers have to like hide their powers. Uh, rangers and druids are not all that common, but they're around. It's mostly focused around like humanoid threats. Uh, your big bad's probably gonna be some kind of evil wizard. There's not gonna be a whole lot of like dragons flying around or anything like that. There's probably like one or two dragons in the entire world of the campaign. And in addition to providing some rules, which I feel like are very well thought out for what a sword and sorcery game could look like, Dave also provides a campaign setting uh, that he sets this first adventure in, and that is the Eastern Borderlands. So for those of you who are like super, super old school first edition players, maybe sounds familiar, maybe sounds like Keep on the Borderlands. I very much got kind of that vibe. I've never played Keep on the Borderlands, but I've read it. I've heard of it. It's that Conan vibe that, that D&D used to have. Uh, D&D traditionally has always been more like post-apocalyptic, Conan, sword and sorcery type stuff, real, real gritty and nasty, uh, more so than like Tolkien fantasy. The Tolkien stuff has kind of come in a little bit later. Now, Tolkien did have his influences on D&D, but it's mostly been Howard type fantasy. But a lot of people do play that, that high fantasy Tolkien type game. And, you know, it's cool to have this new uh, low magic setting. Again, I, I bring it up a lot because I'm about to run a game in the setting, Dark Sun. Those of you who have been missing Dark Sun, if you don't, if you don't want to go through the trouble of running like a fifth edition update of Dark Sun, this might be your best bet. Although Dave has done uh, fifth edition rules for Dark Sun, which I'll be using in a, a new game. A lot of what's going on here, like I said, it's a low magic magic setting, um, magic items are a little bit more rare. The example that Dave gives in, it, in the magazine is that like a plus one sword is something that wars are fought over. It might be like a like a major item that you could get in a quest. Like I said, you, you're not playing bards or paladins or anything like that. It's, you know, if you're a spellcaster, you have to like hide. You can't just walk around in like a Gandalf hat or people will stone you. The only real issue I have with the setting that Dave presents is he says, you know, fighters, rogues, and barbarians. Those are your primary uh, player characters. 
And then, like, druids and rangers are around. Uh, wizards and sorcerers, like I said, have to hide. The only the only problem I really have is that might uh, kind of mess up your, your party dynamic. Uh, specifically, you, you might not have a healer. Druids and rangers and, you know, they can, they can learn healing spells and stuff like that. But, you know, no cleric, no paladin, no bard. That's a lot of your support that you've just taken out. And I agree with his reasoning as to why. And you know what? I would really love to play in a game where there are no bards. Just once. Just once. No bards. But I can see where, uh... I can see where maybe you're sacrificing some healing there. And you might have a lot of samey characters. If you tell everyone, hey, we're playing in like a sword and sorcery Conan type setting, a lot of people are going to show up at the table with Conan. They're just going to be like, yeah, I'm playing a barbarian or I'm playing a fighter. Or maybe maybe someone will show up with a rogue. But you might have a lot of samey characters who are more statted for combat, not necessarily socially bent, and you might not have healing. There's always going to be someone where you, you set up boundaries. You're like, okay, there's no bards, no clerics or anything like that. You're going to have someone who shows up who's like, okay, uh, this is a wizard who's re- religiously devout. And you should be like, all right, you want to play a cleric? Fine. But yeah, there's always someone who's, who's wanting to push the boundaries a little bit. Maybe someone's going to be like, oh, I'm a rogue, but I play the loot. You, you want to be a bard? Fine, go for it. But yeah, that that might help balance out your party. And there's enough subclasses within those three classes, the barbarian, rogue, and fighter, to have a varied party. You can have an arcane trickster rogue and a, a thief rogue at the same time. You can have a a battle master and an eldritch knight in the same party and they won't feel like they're stepping on each other's toes and that's all good that's you know that's fine just a just a small criticism again but overall i really like the concept of a sword and sorcery D campaign and so uh, along with the the eastern borderlands setting um dave also includes uh the first part of what's going to be a series of recurring adventures for broadsword magazine and that is the uh secrets of of Forsaken Peak. Uh, this is the first part. It's for uh, fifth level adventurers, and it's um, it's focused around a dungeon, which you know, again, old school. Some of the like starter adventures, like uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver, there's a dungeon. A lot of uh, adventures now aren't focused around dungeons. A lot of people are running homebrew settings, and they just kind of forget the dungeons are a thing. They forget the dungeons part of Dungeons and Dragons, and a lot of people forget the dragons part too. It's no wonder a lot of people play Pathfinder. There's no commitment there. I'm just kidding. But yeah, it, it's a it's a fifth level adventure. You know, you're supposed to start your players there at fifth level, and it's it's very focused around goblins. Now, here's another issue that I have. I know this happens a lot uh, because goblins have a hierarchy, and you know, it's goblins, hobgoblins, bugbears. They fit well together. Tactically, they're easy. Um, they're, yeah, they're easy to throw into a, a dungeon together, but a lot of adventures center around goblins. A lot. Your players may be sick of goblins, but if they're not, it's fine. That's just something that I've noticed because I just ran my players through Fandelver, and I've been kind of toying with the idea of running Red Hand of Doom. That's a lot of goblins. So there's a lot of adventures focused around goblins. I don't want to harp on this too much, but there might be goblin overload. Just so you know, it is a goblin adventure, so if you're like, I don't want another fucking goblin adventure, I'd recommend looking at other facets of the book, because this is a goblin adventure. But that aside, there's a lot of cool stuff in this book. Uh, th- this adventure in particular, it- it's really well thought out, it's really cool, it- again, it's gritty, it's dark. 
There's lots of crazy, nasty nonsense that happens. There is a, a barbarian chef who is a cannibal and an amateur necromancer, which I thought was awesome in all of the wrongest ways. And he's like a mini boss that you fight. It, it, it's really cool. Dave put a lot of work into this, and I, I really enjoy this adventure. Uh, I, I would love to run a party through through this adventure and through the subsequent ones. There's lots of world building for other adventures. All in all, this, this first part of The Secret of Forsaken Peak is, is really cool. I'm really looking forward to reading the next part. I'll get the first three issues uh, just because of my Kickstarter pledge. But yeah, he puts in everything here. It's it's like reading a professional adventure. Dave really did a great job here. But yeah, that's that's the first part. It, it covers that entire adventure. It's a lot of fun. Uh, your, pro your players will hit sixth level by the end. There's some cool, unique magic items. He built a monster that's like a skeletal red dragon that I think is really cool. But yeah, it's, it's a great, like... Conan-type adventure, if that's what you're looking for. And uh, that brings us to part two of the magazine, and this is all about mass combat. Mass combat is something that uh, wizards tried to address in an unearthed arcana. It's something that a lot of dungeon masters, myself included, like the idea of, but the execution is always a little bit on the complicated side. Uh, Dave does a great job kind of making the rules very simple here. It seems like a bit of a combination of like 4th edition minions and uh, kind of the 5th edition unearthed arcana mass combat rules. But the system he has here is, is really cool. There's specific action specifically for mass combat scenarios. And he even included uh, feats that you can take to kind of specialize in mass combat in anticipation that maybe your campaign is going to focus around like a war or, or battles. Like if, you, if you're running a mass combat type campaign where there's a lot of battles and stuff, it might be worth your while to take some of these feats. As a general rule though, I find that mass combat, because it's so complicated, is something that you do once in your campaign. And so it might not be worth it to take these feats. I mean, that you're giving up another feat or a stat increase to take these things that you might use once. So that's just a thing. Maybe you'd be interested in running a campaign that's set during an active war that your your players are taking part of. That actually sounds kind of cool. I, I would love to play in it. I don't know if I'd love to run it, but unless you're doing that, the feats will not be very useful to your characters. And you might not relish the idea of running like a battle-focused campaign. But if you do, there's a lot of stuff here for you. Uh, the other thing that this section includes is a mass combat adventure called the Battle of Draggard Mine, which includes not just like mass combat stuff. There, there is a battle that happens and stuff that happens within the battle, but there's also, again, not, not quite a dungeon, but like a mini dungeon with a, uh, a buried uh, demigoddess that is really interesting. She's called the Medusa Queen, and uh, Dave statted her out. She's badass. Uh, Dave also very much anticipated for players to behave like assholes in this adventure. There's all kinds of rules for, like, here's what happens if you try to betray the people that you're protecting, or here's what happens if you try to uh, set the Medusa Queen free, or even, like, here's what happens if you fail to protect the mine. But yeah, it's it's a really cool, it's a really cool uh, scenario that he has here. If you want to get a good understanding of how these rules work, I recommend running this adventure for some of your friends. It is a lot of fun. Um, the only problem I have with 
kind of this adventure and this section. Uh, Dave included some sample units, but Dave did not include rules for making your own units. Now a unit, according to the rules, is like uh, five to 10 NPCs that join together in, in one kind of like battle unit and they move together and they act together. And Dave has stat blocks for them. He did not explain how to like make your own unit stat blocks though. And maybe I'm just kind of dumb. I am definitely willing to keep that as a possibility, but I did not understand kind of how he came up with specifically the hit points. I don't know if he just added like 10 guards together or what, but I'd like to see a little bit more under the hood so we could understand kind of how you know, how you make units, especially if you're wanting to run your own campaign and you're, you're going to be doing a lot of battle. How do you make your units? That's, that's what I want to see in kind of an addendum to mass combat. Uh, but like I said, like I've, I've been involved in a game where mass combat came out and it was a lot of fun for us, the players. It was a nightmare and a half for the dungeon master. I set up mass combat for my players and they avoided it. But yeah, mass combat can be a lot of fun. You just, you have to be prepared for it. And I feel like Dave did very well in, uh, you know, creating the circumstances for which you will be prepared uh, for mass combat as a DM. Again, I just want to see more, uh, kind of more under the hood on that, more how you make your own units, that kind of stuff. All right, so that brings us to part three, and uh, part three is called Trial of Heroes. And this is the adventure that I mentioned earlier that's uh, completely, you, you can play it at first level or at like 20th level. Uh, you can do whatever you want. And this is a really interesting example of, a challenge for your players that's not necessarily a violent thing. A lot of D&D games come down to go here, kill this thing, take this treasure. And uh, to be perfectly honest, that's what I come to the table for. I, I love doing that kind of stuff. I like the, the feeling of, oh, I'm a badass swinging two swords around, or, you know, I'm a, a kick-ass fighter, or I can throw around, you know, big magic spells and roll up a handful of dice. You know, that, that and roleplay is what I come to the table for. I don't like puzzles. And again, that's because, you know, when I'm doing stuff like this, I, I, I want to kind of focus my intellectual energy on combat and role-playing. I don't like having to solve puzzles. When I'm playing video games, I really don't like having to solve puzzles. I find it irritating. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a dumbass. Again, that's on the table. But this kind of stuff does not appeal to me. I've done like a puzzle dungeon before, stuff like that. It was fine. It just, it wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, but if you have players who are, you know, interested in this stuff, uh, this is like a, this adventure is very much a, it, it's a competition put on by a uh, adventurer's guild to see like who, you know, kind of who, who the most capable adventurers are. And it's a lot of like mind challenges. Like you're not allowed to bring in any armor or magic weapons or magic items. You can't cast spells unless they give you a ring of that spell to to finish the specific challenge and a lot of the puzzles are are good there's one uh, the first scenario i feel like the answer to the puzzle is a little bit obtuse and i'm not really sure how the players are going are, are supposed to arrive at that solution to that puzzle a couple of them are like that there, there's a couple where i'm just like okay I, I see how you got there in in writing the adventure i don't see how players would get there but if you have players who are into that sort of thing you know maybe they're, they're tired of running through dungeons and cutting 
things down. They want to they want to challenge their minds a little bit. This is a cool thing to do. I, I don't know. I, I could not run this as a dungeon master. Um, I'd get bored. I'd get frustrated. Uh, basically, what would happen is if my players didn't get it, I'd just be like, all right, roll an investigation check. And if they got like a 15 or better, I just tell them the answer. But again, that's one of my weaknesses as a dungeon master. That this kind of stuff is just, it's not what I come to the table for. But again, if it is what you come to the table for, this is a, this is a good, um, this is a good example of this. Uh, Dave did a really good job kind of, kind of setting this up. It's, it's very well thought out. I just think some of the answers are a little bit obtuse and I don't know how, uh, how players would necessarily get to the answer. But again, if, if your players are looking for something kind of non-violent, maybe they're sick and tired of, of cutting things to pieces and, and stealing treasure and that kind of stuff, uh, then maybe this is something that, that you'd be interested in. And so that concludes part three, and that brings me to kind of the last part. And uh, this is, uh, it's a zero-level adventure, uh, which is a concept in and of itself that I find a little bit odd. Again, when I come to the table, I want to play someone powerful. I am a zero-level adventurer. You are a zero-level adventurer. You know, if, if I want to play someone common, I'll just, I don't know, I'll just run around like a Starbucks pretending to be someone else. I've done that before. I've given the people at Starbucks a fake name and then, like, challenged myself to remember the fake name that I gave them. It worked. They didn't know. They didn't care either, but they didn't know. I remembered. I don't even know why I did that. I was just like, I'm gonna give them a fake name this time, just just to see. It's not like I have a name that's hard to spell or anything like that. But no, the, the specific zero-level adventure that Dave has here, this is more of a setting. It's an interesting idea, and it's one that I've heard a lot of demand for. Uh, and that is, this is a wizarding school that, that DM Dave has created, which is a cool idea. And again, it's something that I've heard people clamor for. The problem is, again, it's the person reviewing this. I don't necessarily care for this idea. Just, just me as a DM and player. This is not something I would run. Uh, this is not something I would play in uh, because I don't like teenagers, and you know, I'm I'm not much of a I'm not much of a Potterhead. I don't really. I've seen half of the Harry Potter movies, read none of the books. The idea of it just doesn't really appeal to me because uh, I hate teenagers. Being a teenager uh, was not a fun experience for me, and I don't necessarily want to relive it. I didn't like being a teenager the first time. I don't want to pretend to be one again. But that's that's what this is. This is a wizarding school. So those of you who kind of, you know, want to play a Harry Potter adventure, uh, this is it. This is this is a comprehensive look at what a Harry Potter campaign would look like. The other issue that I have here is that it's a level zero campaign. And again, maybe this is just me. It probably is just me. I don't see the appeal of, of playing a, a level zero character. Like I said, I'm a level zero character. I'm a commoner, according to the D&D &D book. Although I do have a brown belt in Shaolin Kung Fu, so I don't know if that makes me like a half-level monk. Maybe? I don't know. Probably not. But yeah... I just don't, I don't see the appeal of playing like a super weak character. Now, some people do like that challenge of, okay, anything in this world could literally kill me. I've got five hit points. Let me try not to die. I'm like, I can try not to die any day. But yeah, this is, uh, it is a very well thought out setting. Dave has like plotted out everything from like, you know, school stuff that you can do and the different training that you'll get and the different kind of, uh, different kind of nonsense you can get up to in a, in a wizard school. And all that's cool. All, 
if that's what you're interested in, if that's something that you you really would like to play in, this is a again a really well thought out, really cool setting. And you know, maybe maybe someday my wife is really into Harry Potter. Maybe someday she could talk me into doing this uh, just for like a one to four sessions. I could not run a campaign of this. I would die. But this is, I mean, for those of you who've been looking for Harry Potter, this is this is Harry Potter in fifth edition. It is incredibly well thought out and cool. Dave really did a good job here. Uh, my my really really my only criticism of this is just that it's not appealing to me and that's incredibly subjective but i really do have to praise him for this he, he did a great job he did a great job with this and so that really concludes my thoughts on the book uh there's submission guides in the back my hope is that someday i'd be disciplined enough to sit down write out an adventure make it you know fit kind of the guideline guidelines and submit it to dave but again that is I don't know if I can necessarily do that. I've never written an adventure. I've just come up with concepts and uh, run my players through those. Uh, but writing an adventure is a challenge I've yet to take on. Uh, but it's something, it might be something that I, I'd be willing to try. So maybe someday you'll see some of my work in Broadsword Magazine. I hope to see some of your work in Broadsword Magazine because, you know, it's really cool that someone's out here putting out something like this, you know, that, that we can have a monthly supplement to 5th edition. And quite honestly, Dave is providing something that uh, Wizards has not provided with a lot of their supplements. A lot of their supplements are Forgotten Realms stuff or, you know, it, it's all very samey. It all, it all feels like Dungeons and Dragons. And so this is, this is 5th edition D&D rules, but with a different flavor to it. And I like that. And I like that someone's providing that. Uh, so all in all, what we have here is a very well put together package. It could use a little bit of polish as far as uh, copy editing. And again, Dave, if you need someone to do that, I know, I know someone who can help you out with that. The art's good, the maps are good, the layout's great. Uh, I, I like that he's addressing all these different play styles. I, I want to see more of that in the future, even if it's not my play style that he's addressing with some of these. It's good to see because people play the game differently. And, you know, it, it's good to see someone providing that. But all in all, it's a great package. I really do think it's worth your time and money. You know, Dave's a great guy. I want you to support him. I want you to use my affiliate link to buy the thing, of course, because, I mean, you're listening to the show. Didn't cost you any extra. Just saying. But yeah, all in all, Broadsword Magazine is a really good package. Uh, there's an ad for Rolling Bones in it, so if you pass on your copy to some of your friends, they can see my ad in it and be like, oh, what's this Rolling Bones thing? And then they can find me here. But yeah, that is going to do it for uh, today's episode. Again, I, I really just recommend that all of you, uh, all of you check out this, this broadsword magazine. Dave worked really hard on it, and it is a, uh, it's a very good package. Uh, so next week, uh, we are going to have another, uh, we're going to do guests again. We're going to do an interview. Uh, this time it is with, uh, a guy named Hankerin, uh, Furnail. Yeah, Hankerin Furnail, uh, who hosts Runehammer on, uh, YouTube. And he also runs Runehammer Games. Uh, he's a really cool, energetic guy. I really look forward to talking with him about RPGs and the content that he puts out. He's been making content for like five, six years now. He's been doing stuff since 2014. So he, he's been doing this for quite a while. 
a lot of people are kind of Johnny come lately to this. He's been doing this since like the beginning of fifth edition. He's also a bit more critical of fifth edition than a lot of people that we've had on. So it'll be interesting to kind of hear his perspective on that. But yeah, Hankerin from Runehammer is going to be on the show next week. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So until next time, uh, remember by Broadsword Magazine, DM Dave is great. I'm Ryan Howard and I'll see you next time.